Welcome to the Season 4 of the India Energy Hour podcast. This podcast explores the most pressing hurdles and promising opportunities of India's energy transition through an in-depth discussion on policies, financial markets, social movements and science. Your hosts for this episode are Shreya Jay, Delhi-based energy and climate journalist and Dr. Sandeep Pai, Washington-based energy transition researcher and author. The show is produced by 101 Reporters, a pan-India network of grassroots reporters that produces original stories from rural India. Season 4 of the India Energy Hour podcast is here. To kickstart the season, the hosts are here to give a primer on what all to expect in India's journey towards energy transition. It is the year of general elections in India, and a lot of policies and political decisions hinge on that. But there is other exciting stuff too. From India's maiden critical mineral auction to more engagement on just transition, this could be the year India walks the talk on energy transition. Tune in to get a 360-degree view of India's energy and climate action landscape as we step into the new year. Hello everyone, welcome to the season 4 of the Indian AGR. Uh, it's been an unbelievable four years since we started this uh, journey, uh, where we started out as a podcast which was just exploring some topics and getting into new conversations about India's energy transition. But here we are, uh, three years later, very much into our fourth season, uh, kick-starting our fourth season with a very, very special episode. Uh, and we are very excited, we are very delighted and absolutely thankful to our audience here who gave us all our love and support for all these three years. And uh, me and Sandeep are here to express our gratitude. So thanks to everyone, each and every listener of the India Energy Arts. As we kickstart this new season, uh, we thought that it would be a great idea to have a primer of what all has happened in the past these many years, especially the last year, which was uh, instrumental or phenomenal in many senses for India's energy transition and also the global climate dialogue. Uh, so this episode uh, will give you a brief about all what has happened, all what is supposed to happen in the coming year, uh, 2024. Uh, could be a watershed year for both India's politics and energy transition. Uh, so very happy to have this conversation with my co-host and friend and one of the best researchers in the energy transition space, Dr. Sandeep Pai. Uh, thank you, Shreya. I, I think I'm very excited to do this kind of fun episode where you and I are just without kind of set of topics talking about, um, you know, India and global energy and climate issues. Uh, so I have one question for you, you know, before we get into like the real nitty gritties and technical issues and policies around India and climate. Um, like, have you grown as a person in the last three, four years as we have, you know, grown in this podcast? Um, I have an answer of what I think, how I have grown, but like, do you think your own understanding, your own experience uh, of how you look at, and you are such a remarkable reporter uh, covering these topics and you, you have pulse on like this whole sector, but like, has it brought any change to you as an individual, as an energy observer? Yes, yes, I think absolutely. The answer cannot be anything but, but yes. And, and I'll tell you why one major observation as you asked uh, has been that uh, till yet uh, the issues that I wrote about or tracked were very India specific and my focus was also an Indian reader. Uh, through this podcast I have realized that you you know you cannot look at issues of India in a silo. There's this whole world out there which is very very interested in what is happening in India and frankly I was not that much clued in that you know a certain auction of 10 mines here in India even though the investors and bidders are all Indians can garner interest from people ranging from the United States to Australia so so yeah it does give a feeling of importance to a policy reporter sitting here in Delhi but also puts kind of a pressure on 
on me as a writer to offer a perspective that that is understandable to a larger audience you know beyond the readers uh, that i used to cater to so yeah that has been a change and and i like to believe that has reflected uh, in my writing and also in our conversations here and thanks to the great guests we have had here uh, the 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 variety of guests we had uh, ranging from indian researchers to someone working on oceanography uh, the range has been so wide and just listening to their views has opened my eyes to to a broad broad uh, universe of uh, energy transition uh, in the world but i want to know your answer now you tell me uh, so it's it's very interesting for me also i think i i come from a completely opposite lens uh, given that you know i i i left india like i mean obviously i traveled to india so many times a year i've lost track but uh, but i left india and i look at climate and energy issues more globally with obviously india being at the center of it so i have a big picture understanding of many many issues that's happening around the world but through this podcast it has helped me understand the nitty gritties and the nuances of all those big pictures because sometimes when you do big picture work uh, you know you lose you lose track of little details which are quite important so it helps me fill my knowledge gap in terms of having both the big picture and and the 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 nitty gritties it also helps me you know i mean people think that oh energy is sector is such a niche topic but there's hundreds if not thousands of sub topics within this space um and so as a researcher as a thinker in this space as a lifelong uh you know person who is lifelong passionately about this field it helps me explore topics which i don't get to explore in my day job uh or you know i don't have the opportunity like you know for example oil and gas sector is not something i look at very closely but th- through this podcast it allows me to kind of have guests and get a broad overview of what's happening and and sometimes ask naive questions which you know <laughs> ends up being good questions as well so so in in that sense it's a really great it has been a really great platform for me to explore uh you know varieties of questions varieties of topics that i had not thought about very deeply over time uh, and given that this you know energy and energy and climate issues in india are so important for the world um, it, it's really remarkable for me uh, but coming back to your point about why india matters to the world i think that's a really important uh, question i think that the answer to that in my experience is like twofold one is that you know india is a large populous country whose per capita consumption of things are very low whether it's energy or anything else but as india urbanizes industrializes etc india will need much more energy and now whether that energy will come from fossil fuels or will come from renewables or a combination has a serious implication on the global climate that underlines why world is watching india why those 10 minds that auction in india matters to everybody whether you're sitting in berlin or washington dc right. etc so yeah just just on that i think that that is why we see even our audience is so global right like half of our audience is pretty global very interested in so many different topics within india so let, let me just you know i mean that those that's i guess like is a good reflection of how we have evolved with this podcast over time so on on that note let me let me start with one big picture question um and then like we can get into some of the topics uh that mm-hmm. that are interesting for us so uh, so the first question i have is like what are some of the big topics um that you are excited to watch as a you know mm. as a energy junkie uh, sitting in delhi for this year like what what do you think yeah. would be some of the key energy and climate topics that that will keep you excited but busy in 2024 that's a very uh, 
yeah uh, excited but busy hmm. uh the next two months i'm definitely looking forward to because that's my chance uh, to to be a political journalist for two months uh, but all due respect to my political journalist friends uh, election is something that we are really looking forward to and that is obviously a good chance to you know go out go on the ground and see uh, how all the promises uh, across sectors not just electricity have worked on the ground and get to see their impact uh, or the lacunas and uh, understand what what is exactly uh, the public things about the big grand policies that were made here uh, in latians delhi so yeah that is one thing i'm looking forward to uh, irrespective of what government comes in in the country uh, uh, given the past uh, policy decisions that have happened uh, i think 2024 should be a decisive year and also a gear shift in a lot of uh, places uh, i think decisively india should be able to decide on what is the stand on coal and oil and gas and fossil fuel is uh, we have been very finicky uh, india has escaped this discussion on various global platforms you would know that uh, better than me uh, but given the pressure is rising uh, there should be some decisive statement from this country on what exactly is its transition plan when it comes to fossil fuel we cannot just go on harping about our gigawatts of renewable energy that we are planning uh, this is the time to tell what exactly are we going to do in coal or reduce our coal usage or our fossil fuel exposure uh, we are looking at doubling our coal production but then our plan is to pause it uh for a while and uh, see how it goes forward that is seems to be the plan then uh, the government has now realized that grid connected solar is no longer the only answer to our renewable energy goals and we are finally focusing on off grid and decentralized is what are the murmurs that i am hearing that decentralized off grid renewable energy uh, would be the next focus area so that is something that i am looking forward to um uh, a lot of policy changes have happened in the electricity sector especially aiming at fixing the health of the state owned power distribution companies all our podcast episode which has talked which have talked about power sector end up discussing the pain point uh, but in the last 2 3 years there have been uh, policy decisions which have tried to fix this problem if not then as things stand and as i can see them or observe uh, that discoms are now in middle of a triangulation of policies where there is no escape route uh, they just have to shape up or ship out else there are entities which are ready to just replace them and take over their role through green open access there is an opportunity for big commercial players of discoms to go and buy energy directly from someone else uh, then through the lps rule or late payments are charged discoms are bound to pay to generating companies uh, else they will lose el- electricity access through rdss they are being made to get operational cha- changes or they won't get any budgetary grants so uh, so i think that uh, 2024 25 should be the year when we will see a sea change in the distribution sector at least that's what i'm hoping for um, fingers crossed so I-, i think these are the few things that i would like to keep my eye out on and uh, this this particular government the ruling government if it continues its its regime then it it is known for giving surprises across several sectors so i'll also keep an eye out on those uh, those sectors uh, that is my view sitting here in delhi my microscopic view what is your telescopic view on on india and what is bound to happen well i don't know what's bound to happen but i think i think some of the interesting things that will happen and not to the surprise i think everybody is watching the election um well i, I if i'm not wrong a, a lot of policies will be in the flux till till the election is over um you know the new ministers are assigned the new bureaucrats are assigned um but i think one thing that will again hit the news and it hits global news is summer and you know coal shortage or power shortage and, and those those kinds of issues um i would be very curious to see given that india has declared 
that you know india will double down on its coal production um also trying to build like the power power uh you know the power demand has surged on the other hand india is saying like it's going to double down on coal production uh companies like coal india are confident produce enough coal um and and it it seems that this is a topic which will come up again and so i'll be curious to see if it is any different this year um in in terms of managing uh you know people always debate whether it's a power crisis or a coal crisis but whatever uh, the crisis is coal slash power crisis um so I, that that is one domestic event i would be very curious to watch and see how that goes um it's almost like a tradition in india energy hour also that we continue to do an episode about that um because it's a topic that comes up every year um so that the and given that it's a election year it will be even more interesting to see if that that is a topic given power is something that is so central to even though people normal people my my relatives my family doesn't think about power as such but when there is a power cut you know <laughs> they all think about it so in an election year i'm very curious to see how how india's federal policy makers and the state owned companies be it ntpc coal india manages the so called power slash coal crisis because you talk to power producers they'll say it's a coal crisis you talk to coal producers they'll say it's a power crisis so that's why i said coal slash power crisis that's one event i'm curious about the second interesting event would be cop and clean energy ministerial and all the international forums where india will go G- brazil has a g20 presidency where again this question of a coal phase out coal phase down will be hammered um now india was very silent at this cop I, and i i can i can understand the sentiment behind why india was silent um so this is a cop where the villain was set pre cop the villain was you know the horse and the opec and you know they were all mm-hmm. opposing they were verbally opposing india learned its lesson from the glasgow cop and said like if we speak anything we will be made the villain so let's keep silent so india kept silent it also signed on to this transitioning away from fossil fuel kind of deal um but at the same time domestically it's doing what it is required for energy security mm-hmm. which is to double down on renewables but also double down on fossil fuels because india lacks gas and so so the whole i would i can i can go ahead and call it drama around coal phase down coal phase out fossil fuel phase down fossil fuel phase out is something that will be really interesting for me going forward um the third thing there will be from an international point of view there is still uh steam in terms of getting india on board on the just energy transition partnerships um even though in india it's a non topic people like you know um, i get media requests almost every week about this topic so there is still steam in this uh, topic so i'll be curious to see if uh there is more efforts from g7 to get india on board because this is going to be the biggest win like getting india on board is more bigger win than south africa indonesia and vietnam and senegal combined because then the constituents in the west can go to their constituents which is their voters and their climate conscious people and say look we got india to phase out of course so i'll be, i'll be curious to see if india uh, you know uh, what india does to that pressure and if there's so this jetp the whole jetp and the any other kind of financial mechanism is another area i'll be very curious to see i'm very excited about india's critical mineral journey it started out quite late yeah. you know china did this 20 25 years ago us is catching up to it like 3 years ago and india has woken up to this idea in 2023 but it's exciting um, it has unleashed it's you know state of large mammoth state owned enterprises coal india kabil which is a consortium of three state owned enterprises uh 
although this is the race where India has entered late, but it has moved very quickly in a very short span of time. However, this is a really <clears throat> big test of India's <clears throat> both resolute to push this critical mineral secure, like securing critical minerals such as lithium, cobalt, nickel, um, within India, doing more exploration, doing quickly, you know, and building out those, you know, critical mineral blocks. That's, that's a, that's a topic I will be watching very closely, but also India's desire through Kabil or its state-owned enterprises or through the private sector as well <laughs> to go and actually buy blocks overseas, whether it's in Australia or Argentina, where the deals are happening right now. Um, and whether India can compete with the likes of China and US and how India will navigate that system and whether India actually reforms that, uh, you know, the way yeah. these PSUs can go and do the deal. The way right now it happens is like, say India, say a PSU goes like, say, Hindustan Copper through Kabil Consortium. They go to Argentina, they talk, okay, Argentina is ready, let's do it. They have to come back to the ministry Ministry has to approve. By the time approval comes six, eight months later, Argentina has lost interest. So I'm, I'm curious to see if, you know, how state-owned enterprises in China do it. They identify and block in two months, they're boom, ready to go. In India, like the way system is through million layers of approvals and all of that uh, is, I'm not sure if it's kind of, uh, it will it will be enough for India to secure those blocks. I, I I don't I'm not sure if that system is seamless enough. So I'm I'm watching very closely into what is going to happen, and not just me. Like I think India can emerge as a major player in this space, and it will be really interesting to see how how that dynamic emerges. The final thing, which is my pet topic, which is I India's just transition journey has also from a from a from a topic which didn't exist a few years ago to a topic which is now becoming increasingly becoming mainstream i wouldn't call it mainstream yet but you know with the task forces in coal india and the ministry and the world bank and so much research and study around all these topics it's increasingly becoming more and more um, you know mainstream so i obviously as a as a scholar of that topic, I would be very closely watching that topic as well. So these are some of the, you know, from finance to critical minerals to just transition to just energy transition partnership to uh, the summer power slash coal crisis are some of the topics I, I would be curiously uh, watching and observing. Um, so what, what do you think? Uh, let's talk about the elections. I think that is kind of the elephant in the room. Tell me like what happens during the election cycle? Like what happens to an energy reporter during the election cycle? What do you do? Like what do you report on? Mm. You're asking me to spill the best kept secret <laughs> here on what we do when there is a policy uh, pause uh, here. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it is also time for us to... Uh, kind of restart, uh, reanalyze, look back on what all has happened, see its impact. I think this is the best time to go out on the ground, see uh, that what all the promises that were made in the last five years, how they have turned out to be. Uh, so that's what I'll do. I am definitely going out. I'm definitely going to key constituencies or uh, places where we, places we have been talking about, uh, where we have seen renewables growth happening or underground coal mining happening uh, i'll definitely go to such places and see on how what has been the impact uh, try to get a stories from the ground that's what i'm planning to do so yeah it's an exciting time ahead please do not ask me the what i think uh, the election result would be uh, that's a very uh, controversy inducing question these days uh, but this would be an interesting election after 10 years of the same government it's always, uh, you know, this every election in India is very keenly observed. This one would be no different. So we'll see what uh, happens going forward. Yeah. Uh, and Sandeep, you listed so many things that you are excited about, so many things that you are uh, 
looking forward to uh, let's start with one of those things because uh, the cynical me will just go out on a rant on all the issues that you're excited about and kill that excitement but we will keep it for later uh, but let's just start with say critical minerals because next month uh the maiden auction of india's critical mineral will start we we'll, for the first time this country would be auctioning criti- critical mineral mines uh, uh what are your thoughts on this have you uh, you must have gone through the process and uh, the tender and everything uh, this has become a very active area for the government what are your thoughts on it uh, about what are your expectations do you think there would be a global investor interest um that's a that's a million dollar question but um i i think there will be a lot of indian players who will uh, bet but you know like everything else mining is a tough business in india right like it's you need so many different levels of clearances you need so many different levels of um sort of like clearances and like investments before you actually see the fruits of your investments uh so for one thing is while i'm excited to see india thinking about its critical mineral auctions i'm also i would also be interested for india to think about processing units because right now most of the processing happens in china almost 70% for the 50 critical minerals that is in the us list so like how are we going to how are we going to do mining but also do processing at the same time and and i think that is a question i hope that you know government of india will come to terms with and think of now the challenge of that is that processing unit may come under a different ministry than mines um, and so it would require also a seamless coordination um within the different different ministries because merely producing and then shipping it to china and then bringing back the fi- finished product is not the journey i think india is india should get into uh, can my although i'm excited about the domestic prospects and i think india needs to go in that direction um the other interesting thing that i would be very f- interested in is like what india does overseas like can can indian psus go and explore more blocks can they create that supply chain because each one has to understand that each critical mineral will have its own supply chains right like somewhere you are producing the rock or the ore then you are taking it you are processing it you are shipping it you know so how is india thinking about critical minerals in an integrated ways is an important question mm. in my mind rather than thinking about it in just a mining point of view right like is it, is there an integrated critical mineral supply chain policy rather than critical mineral mining policies is to me the next phase of this work outside and inside the government um and so this this puzzle about and investors you know like they they are unless there are very high clear returns uh they have other places to go and invest india's market on critical minerals is quite new the discoveries on block about how much reserves they have the exploration is still happening and parallel to that like there are already discovered blocks everywhere else with easier policies to go and invest mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like in the first phase i think a lot of this load will perhaps need to be taken up by indian domestic actors yeah. however you know uh, there will be an interesting will i'll be interested to see how, how many institutional uh, investors or investors rather in general come and invest uh, in critical minerals yeah I, i think you made a very great point about uh, is anyone looking at a supply chain uh, i think that is very important to look at and that is a question uh, i believe a lot of people must be thinking about because there is a plan for enhancing electric mobility in the country and the uh, the supporting infrastructure then there is a separate scheme for battery manufacturing and the production linked incentive battery pli scheme then there is this auction of critical minerals so i am also sitting here and hoping that there 
hopefully is someone who is weaving all these three together and looking it at a single supply chain where you would be mining a mineral yeah. which will go into the battery manufacturing industry which eventually would land with the domestic electric mobility because i believe the focus in all these three is that we should have a, a domestic supply chain of critical minerals so that we build a electric mobility or energy storage supply chain so i i hope that happens because if it keeps happening in silos we will the end result remains uh, very unsatisfactory if i can uh, say so and uh, i think from a global investors perspective also that supply chain matters a lot uh, if you talk to a lot of electric mobility players uh, or similarly uh, players in the solar manufacturing segment for that matter which was a late starter in the country compared to solar power production and the only problem is that there is no ecosystem if you were to produce solar panel tomorrow in gigawatts or if you were to mine lithium cobalt nickel if there is no ecosystem if you still have to import some equipment for the battery or some equipment for the solar panel it doesn't make sense at all the whole supply chain uh, needs to be domestic uh, i think and uh, with a focus on atmanirbhar bharat which has been one of the flagship schemes and make in india i hope we have learned lessons from our past mistakes in solar manufacturing taken out good lessons from the how we built automobile manufacturing supply chain and replicate the good models in the critical mineral slash battery slash electric mobility ecosystem you're right absolutely i think the the importance of systems thinking the importance of like the whole supply chain thinking is important but i'm going back to your original question about like india's you know auctioning of mines and all that so right now india has two strategies on critical metals just to get the ore first is to do the auctions and all of that it's like really like early days exploration is still going on once they explore once they find good deposits auctions will happen etc etc and then finally you know by the time mining starts it's going to be a few years the second is through state owned enterprises india is trying to buy mines and i highlighted some issues that they have as they are trying to buy mines and you know trying to invest in other companies the third thing which is almost completely unexplored in india is did you know that there is so much critical mineral in coal waste overburden and in if you look at what china has done or what us has done or what canada and other countries have done is they have funded universities research institutes and companies too to actually go and extract critical minerals from coal waste like fly ash rare earths uh, sorry fly ash um, or acid mine drainage or coal rejects for for instance but india has not even started thinking in that direction um, so and that actually speaks at the heart of this supply chain problem because if you can do that you're neither mining anything you're actually basically taking this rock which is a, a waste and causes destruction in local regions and you can literally do processing right there and then you have the critical mineral ready to use and so so it's baffles me like that india has not thought in that direction has not invested in r&d in that direction i mean you can't have all your eggs in one or two baskets you have to think in various different ways there is so much coal waste out there you know um, you know we, we can go into that rabbit hole about that but like there's coal waste there's acid mine drainage there's overburden so this is also another area that india needs to invest in other countries have invested for 10 years first commercial projects in us have come up i have start i have visited one of those projects uh but in india this is not even a topic of discussion so you know if we have to win this race we can't just make do mega announcements i think we also need to invest in r&d uh coal is one example i am sure geologically there are many other rocks and many other ways that have critical minerals i think that is another area one has to 
kind of explore. Uh, but I think, you know, we can also talk about other topics, but this, I thought this is a good way to close the loop on critical minerals. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point, uh, Sandeep. I think that is something to take note of by the policymakers. Uh, you know, uh, I, as you were talking, I, I, I was thinking that uh, there are so many expectations riding on this country. You also mentioned earlier that uh, how important India's stand has become on the global stage of climate and energy transition. But there's this one issue that is still remain unaddressed. And the only reason is because India has maintained a very silent, quiet stand on it. And that is just Energy Transition Partnership or JETP, where countries are pushing us to come and join this partnership. But we have Indian government, uh, the Indian policymakers have maintained a stand that no, we don't need to join any such partnership. This is just meant to fool us, to phase out coal. Uh, there's no money coming in. And this, this is just a way to get us to sign something that we do not. And these are exactly the words that I heard from someone anyway. Uh, so, uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think something positive to happen in JetP? Do you think India will be able to call out a deal that suits us? Uh, but before you get into that, uh, I first want to know how and why India stands to benefit from JetP. <laughs> let me be a devil's advocate and ask you. Uh, so let me let me just go take a few steps back. Take take a few steps back and kind of understand the motivation of JetP, right? Um, so this is an idea in the West, right? Coal is on its way out for various reasons. It's not always because, you know, it's not always for climate reasons. Like US has discovered shale gas, you know, um, and, and of course, renewables have played a part as well. But overall, and the coal fleet, in the West is quite old. So anyway, they would be shut down, right? Regardless of climate or non-climate reasons. So for a range of reasons, coal is on its way out. Just transition, which is a topic, which is about thinking about workers and communities and regions that are dependent on coal, on coal is a mainstream topic in many OECD countries, including the G7 countries, whether it's Canada. Canada has a sustainable uh, sustainable Investment Act, which is basically a just transition act. US has billions of dollars for coal communities rolled out. So it's a hot mainstream topic. It's an election topic, right? So this has been a topic there for a bit. Now, progressive parties in these countries think that what we have done about just transition in our country, let's take it to developing countries, right? So because their constituents who are more international minded are saying to them, like, it's fine, you're doing some stuff here, but it's also your responsibility because you are a global climate leader, so-called global climate leader. So as a global climate leader, it's no longer enough to do something domestically, by the way, which is questionable because of the rise in oil and gas. So on the one hand, they're talking about a coal phase out and all. On the other hand, look at US oil production, how it's shooting up. So if you just make a deal out of coal, then fine, you're a climate leader. But if, if you're looking at the energy system and other fossil fuels, then it's questionable who is a climate leader. But keeping aside that side digression, like it's a hot and a known topic in the West. You have to understand that policymakers in a country like India don't know what just transition is, most of them. Like it's a topic which you know that four or five years ago, not one person knew. Forget a policymaker, like not even academics knew, right? So the understanding of G7 leaders, when, when Biden administration talks about just transition, people in US know what they are. They, some people like it, some people hate it, but they know it. When somebody goes and comes to and talks to a bureaucrat in uh, MEA or a power ministry, these guys have no idea what you're talking about. What is this just transition? So... People underestimate how the knowledge gap between the leaders and the vocabulary of just transition yeah. is so different from India. So that's that's just so it, it even took some time for bureaucrats in India to understand what are you talking? What is this? Like what are you even talking about? Like are you talking about Mars or Jupiter or Saturn or Pluto? Like I have no idea. So that's the big that's that's point number one. 
Now, when people started understanding what this is, they already had examples from South Africa, Indonesia, and Vietnam, where the deals happened, where basically political declarations happened. And the headline says, G7 helping South Africa wean off coal. Like if you Google all the headlines that happened. And what happened now, three years later? Not much has happened. Money hasn't flown. So those that experience has also made sure that the policymakers in India who even had like an inclination after understanding a topic that they didn't know about, had an inclination. The experience generally about climate finance and in particular about JetP in other countries has shown that it's more of a headline grabbing. So I like to, sometimes I call it and people don't like it. I like to call it just headline partnership. So it's a partnership about headlines. You go to COP, you declare everybody's good headlines. Washington Post will say, oh, India, we know of coal, G7. But first of all, the money is ridiculous. Like for for a country like South India, if you are offering $10 billion, Coal India can give you that money. Like G7 can have that money. Like, you know, it's not it's not an attractive money. It's not in attractive terms. Um, it's also not a money that will come in the form of grants or anything else. So, so why should a country like India sign up to yeah. something? And yeah. then what happens is the details are also all lost in big international forums. Mm. G7 leaders will go and say, oh, we are giving money to India, but India is still doubling down on coal. So there is sort of this cycle of understanding that is required into why it's not happening. My, But I don't want to end in a negative note on this topic. I do think that if India wants to make a just transition deal and if G7 wants to, it needs to be specific. The whole, the 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 way JetPs have happened is, I can summarize in steps. Step one, big leaders say from South Africa or, you know, the top leadership of G7 and that country has come together and they have declared something. There are no details. We have, we will give you $10 billion. That's it. After the declaration and all the headlines of data, they have formed a committee. They have come up with an investment plan. Investment plan has now said that, okay, investment plan is also not specific. It's about, oh, we want money for transportation. We want money for repurposing of coal. Which coal plant? Not clear, right? So it has not reached the project finance stage. It is still talking in broad sectors. If we have to do it differently, I would do it in this way. India identifies 10 projects that it wants to do. I mean, India will close down some coal plants and mines, right? Coal India wants to close so many mines. Why don't you ask money for that? It's simple. You're anyway closing. And that's what Indonesia is doing. That's what South Africa is doing. The money that will eventually come is for plants they are anyway closing. right? So, so India comes up with a list of 15 projects it wants to go, negotiates the terms of those projects with G7. When negotiate not just the terms of financing, but when that money will come, then signs up. So both sides should do the homework, negotiate, then sign into something, not the other way around where you are playing to the headlines, then thinking about the details. Because once the headlines die down, you have lost interest in that. Um, so so on the one on on the one hand, real money coming from JetP and I am suspicious about, it does do one thing. It does educate people because this topic is coming to India. The whole topic of just transition. Whether Indian policymakers like it, hate it, they have to live with it. It's coming. It may not come in five years. It's coming in 10 years. You know, unless you are going to abandon eight states in India, this topic is coming. So what this JetP conversation does is it sensitizes Indian policymakers. So even if the deal doesn't happen, I think some of the benefits of JetP have already happened. I I completely agree. Just transition is the topic. I'm very proud that we did three episode series on just transition uh, back in 2022 when we closed our season two. And just thereafter, we opened our season three with, with a brilliant episode from Ulka, which talked about 
going beyond headlines i think that was the title of that episode so that summarizes the discussion around just transition and going beyond the headlines sreya i had one last question for you um which is basically you know this whole so as an observer of the energy sector india's energy sector was about energy policies and about providing you know electricity and energy to people of india i think this whole vocabulary of energy transition is very new in india um i would be curious about how you think this vocabulary this new vocabulary of energy transition uh will evolve even further in 2024 do you think that will happen yeah that that is a great observation uh, uh i think standing at the cusp of this transition there are some uh, issues there are some terms which will come to fore as india plans its energy transition i agree that there that we uh, that issues which were uh you know making headlines say a decade back or 15 or 20 years back are no longer the priority because they have been addressed to a certain extent uh though the cynic in me will continue to say that uh, despite electrifying all the households of this country power supply reliable power supply is a relevant issue in this country free electricity continues to be a major problem and should just not exist in the economic policy making of this country the state of power discoms uh, an issue uh, which we have repeated multiple times has gone through so many policies changes continue to exist as a problem uh, that 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 is the cynical part of me the hopeful part of me wants these issues to be resolved because then it will pave way for for future growth uh, you know the way uh, renewable energy growth is happening in this country the way grid is being planned in this country for that uh, i think those are the issues that need to be discussed uh, i i went i was at an event and there was this speech uh, by the head of grid india uh, earthsville posoko which uh, for the uh, for the uninitiated uh, manages and operates the national grid of the country and and in middle of his speech he he said something very interesting he threw a lot of technical terms but the summary of it was that you know the india's grid planners managers should now start talking about going beyond just demand and supply we should be talking about the technical security the cyber security of our grid we should be talking about how to you know pool in so much of green energy into this grid and prepare it for 10 years later we should imagine a scenario where our coal power plants are running at 40% plf and we have to scale up energy somehow we have to imagine a grid where battery storage plays a key role and you know that is the kind of conversation one should be talking one should be listening and talking much more about because these are the issues of the future we cannot have slow policy making anymore where you're just uh, if you're doing discom reforms that's going on for 5 years no i think uh, uh, development across green energy energy transition electric mobility batteries etc is happening much more faster than the policy makers are imagining it to be so yes the vocabulary needs to change uh, yes we need to imagine a grid of the future we need to design our energy pie for the future um, and yes just transition needs to be a major part of this discussion because when we are talking about preparing uh, this country for 500 gigawatt of renewable energy you just cannot forget those eight states which depend on coal this needs to address and as soon as possible because even if it will take 10 20 years for india to phase out coal the preparation needs to begin now because a whole generation depends on coal and thermal power industry so yes i'm really hoping that the vocabulary the energy vocabulary of this country changes for better uh, that would give us uh, 
writers like me and my peers ample opportunity to write about new and upcoming topics and issues and it definitely uh, will give us uh, new and unique topics to discuss on the india energy podcast where i'm sure we will have some amazing people to come and talk about how the future of india's energy transition would look like yeah i'm i'm really excited i think 2024 is going to be an year where india will transition from being a country that thinks about india's energy policy to india's energy transition broadly defined policy so i i think it's a it's going to be a really interesting year it's going to be a really tumultuous year in terms of like having an election in between but you know that also gives us a lot of ammo to bring a range and variety of guests uh, to come and talk about a range of topics uh, that addresses both the energy needs of people of india but also uh, addresses the climate question um so keep keep listening uh, keep showering us with love and support do send us any new ideas you have uh, because we love to hear from you and if if you have a great idea or a guest idea or a topic idea do let us know um we take your feedback we take your suggestions quite seriously and we will absolutely do our best to 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 make sure that if if you send us a suggestion we bring the kind of guests and the kind of topic you're interested in listening so thank you so much thank you shreya it was a really fun conversation unplanned unscripted conversation with you and so really enjoyed it thank you thank you to everybody yes totally uh, and i hope our audience also loved it uh, thank you so much uh, for all the support thank you sandeep it was a great conversation and the unsung heroes of this podcast uh, the unseen heroes of this podcast is the production team uh, which uh, designs which edits this podcast offers it in a very uh, listenable manner to our audiences a big thank you to the production team at the india energy r and the 101 reporters uh, we would not have been here had it not been for you guys so thanks again and to our audiences uh, stay tuned a lot of exciting episodes are coming your way in the coming months see you all thank you for listening to the india energy hour subscribe to this channel to never miss an update to drop us a feedback visit our website or write to us at the india energy hour at gmail.com we are on twitter You can follow at TIEH_podcast and get in touch with the two hosts at Shreya_J and at Sandeep Pai.